Hi, my name is Rutendo Nyamuda, and welcome back to another phenomenal, exciting episode of In My Twenties. In My Twenties. Coming up on today's show, we sit down with another incredible guest. So introducing themselves onto the In My Twenties podcast, I'd like to welcome them into the In My Twenties family. And here they are. Hi, I am Simusi Sokodelo, known as the Kid Prodigy. I'm a brother, I'm an uncle, I'm a son, um, I'm a friend, um, I'm a confidant, and I'm, I'm, I'm FB pro, pro bodybuilder. I'm passionate about what I do, and yeah, that's, that's me in a nutshell. Now on every episode of the In My Twenties podcast, our guests always come through with these incredible mind moments or gem moments, and this is just one of them. Being an IFB pro is what I do, is not who I am. You know what I mean? And a lot of people I've seen, you know, they embody their work and it becomes a personality trait. Strip me of my title and I know exactly who I am. The In My Twenties podcast is split up into three sections. In the first section, we get to hear a little bit more about our guest's career history. In the second section, we dive into today's topic. And finally, rounding up all three sections is a conversation on the all-consuming 20s journey. Let's get straight into it. And so, Sibosiso, I want to hear a little bit about your background, like your career history, your, your life history. Where are you from and essentially how did you get to where you are today? I'm from a small township called Lamonville. I went to a very good high school, I suppose, um, in George Campbell. Um, and then I went and studied UCT. Um, thereafter, I came back to Durban, started working a bit in retail and bumped into a guy who was an IFB pro at the time, well, still is, by the name of Andrew Hudson. Um, and then he basically kind of nudged me in the right direction, 2013. 2014, found myself competing on stage and I've never looked back since. Um, I turned pro exactly four years after I got on stage. Um, so I turned pro in 2018 and had my pro debut in 2019 and I've been pro since. So that's, that's me. That's, that's me. So, you know, on these podcasts, we love to dig into the details. For us, it's all about the details. So I'm going to take a step back in terms of like UCT yeah. days, UCT time. What did you study? Because as far as I'm concerned, as far as I know, I know there's like a sports science degree, but you can't study to be yeah. a bodybuilder. So what did you study at UCT? <laughs> and yo, how did you, what, what was that moment? Okay, let's just focus on UCT. So what was the UCT experience? What did you study at UCT? And is it even linked to being a professional bodybuilder? Um, maybe it could be, right? Because I actually studied construction management. So it could be linked because I'm constructing my body. <laughs> See what I did there? That's what happens when you're 13, you've got lame jokes, right? <laughs> um, so I, I studied construction management. So it's a BSC. It's, it's so unrelated to obviously what I do. I mean, the construction space and bodybuilding are so far apart. The irony though, is that Arnold Schwarzenegger was actually also into construction. Um, he actually had a construction company and obviously also found himself doing bodybuilding. So yeah, that's, that's me 2011. The UCT experience was actually quite cool, if I'm being very honest. Um, it was thrilling, it was different. It was the first time I was away from home 
um, for that long, maybe even that far away from home. Uh, because, I mean, during my rugby career, I'd have like rugby tournaments here and there. I'd come to Joburg. Um, you know, you do a random two-hour drive out of Durban. But being that far away from home was the first time it ever happened. Um, that environment was very great. I enjoyed it. Um, so I actually had a very good experience, you know. Um, what a lot of people don't know, though, is that I actually didn't finish at UCT. Um, so here I am, first year, doing my thing, staying under the radar. Second year, I started playing rugby. Um, I kind of got too into the rugby thing, maybe. <laughs> and uh, then I got excluded, right? So now I'm back in Durban um, without a degree that obviously I went to go and try and get to UCT. And that's when I actually stumbled in my, on my passion, right? Because um, I went and did um, and worked at Akujo. And then I bumped into Andrew Hudson, told me about bodybuilding. I was like, okay, cool, let's try this thing out. And at the time, I was still trying to obviously finish my degree via correspondence. And um, yeah, I finished that. But at the, I'd already been hooked on my passion and what was that what was that like engagement with him like did he like did you know him prior did he just see you and he was like hey you look like a bodybuilder you should be doing this i swear i was my mind in fact so i was on my lunch break right so gateway has a virgin active that's inside the mall right and here i am minding my own business and i'm on my lunch break going to have a workout and i'm doing a bench press and i feel this big like aura or energy around me right and this guy was like literally, literally waiting for me to finish my workout and i i turn around i look at this guy and he's literally towering over me he goes bro um i'm andrew um and you are so i'm like i'm smooth so in my head i'm thinking he's probably seen me at the store he wants to ask me something you know store related you know and um he's like bro i really think you got great genetics to do bodybuilding so I'm like, what is bodybuilding? I've never heard of the sport. So he goes, no, you should Google a guy called Arnold Schwarzenegger. I'm like, bro, respect me. I watch movies. Like, I know exactly who that is. He's like, no, no, no. Google him when he did his bodybuilding, not when he was, you know, an actor. So I'm like, oh, okay. All right. So I Google this guy and then I see him on stage. He's wearing posing trunks and whatnot. And I'm like... There's no way I'm doing that sports, my guy. Like, absolutely no way. So, fast forward three weeks later, I bump into a guy who was my senior in high school. He was already involved in the sports. He's like, dude, let me, let me take you to my coach. So, I spoke to his coach and I swear, three and a half months later, I found myself competing. I know there are a number of us. <laughs> speak for myself but I know there are a number of us who like are dying to obviously you know look good have good bodies and be healthy we go to the gym a lot of times we um have meat-free Mondays and you know cut out sugar and do all of these things just to to be a little bit healthier but what does it actually take like what is your I mean you might not be able to go into like extreme details but essentially what does your routine look like what does your diet look like is there anything that you're cutting out how much water do you drink thing is I'd, I'd never want to downplay the work that we do especially from a pro perspective right and respect to the guys that are amateurs that are still trying to climb, climb up the ranks I know that it also takes equally a, a month's work right but I promise you, when you get to the pro level, it's the dynamic is very different. Take you through a very a brief synopsis of my day. I'd wake up in the morning, have my first meal at five o'clock in the morning, 
okay? Um, and then I go to work, I train a few clients, and then I see my first coach, because I train twice a day when I'm on prep. So I see my strength and conditioning coach in the morning around 10, half past 10, and then I obviously continue with my meals. Um, I have a bit of a nap, because sleep is very important. I mean, a lot of guys see these t-shirts that are eating, eat, sleep, train, and they don't actually understand how that's actually a bodybuilder's life, right? Um, I have a nap, and then I see my second coach, who's my head coach, actually, uh, Jack, for my second strength training session. And I go home, and I have an ice bath. In this winter, I have an ice bath, right? Because I need to make sure that my recovery um, is, is, is on point, so I can actually come back the next day and have you know, a good training session that are still not feeling as sore from the last session. You know what I mean? So you we try and speed up the recovery process. So I have my ice bath, have my last meal, and I'm in bed, right? So when I'm on prep, I almost, almost, not even almost, actually don't even have a social life. You'll not see me out. I'm not out with friends because I'm indoors. I have to have my meals. You know, on the days that I do have in terms of time, I might not have the energy to do it. And when I say energy, I mean it respectfully. It's not because I don't have energy for my friends, but because of how my diet fluctuates, I have something called a low-carb day where the, the most carbs that I have is about 39 grams of carbs a day. Now, with a body like mine, working on 39 grams of carbs, I literally have no energy. You know what I mean? So it gets, it gets a bit tricky, right? So that's basically a very brief synopsis of my day. You know, seven meals a day, training twice a day, um, you know, and, you know, you're doing, you're doing a sauna in the morning, heat therapy in the morning, you're doing an ice bath, cold therapy at night. That's, that's it, you know? So basically what you're saying is whatever you're doing, Retendo and other people listening, you're not doing enough. Because <laughs> it's hectic, because it's hectic, to be honest, like I gym, tw- I gym at minimum twice a week and then like four times a week is like sure like that's like and once a day it's not like a twice a day thing and never mind the carbs and the inter it's like a balance i'm just like if i ate like pizza then i will gym and then i like (laughs) 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 it just it makes sense it makes sense in my mind like calories in exercise calories out You, you got the fundamental you got the fundamental science of it I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying. Um, and so this is the other thing that I wanted to ask is like, so you are also a coach and a personal trainer yourself. What are like, what would your quick tips be for someone who's like, I want to, I want to bulk up because uh, you're a bodybuilder. So that's the main focus. I want to, I want to gain some muscle somewhere in my body. Yeah. Like what would your yeah. top like tips be for someone? Look, I'll have one tip and this one tip even comes with an analogy and I've said this so many times. You gotta eat. It sounds so overrated, but it's gotta be of the dieting. If you're trying to bulk up, you gotta eat, right? So, as I said, I've I eat seven times a day. I actually eat according to time, not according to hunger. But that's me right now trying to bulk. When I'm on prep, obviously it's a bit of a different situation. But when you're bulking, so this is the analogy of what someone who's genuinely purposely trying to bulk and someone who thinks they're trying to bulk, okay? If we took a car here. And we drove to Durban, right? So we're going to put full tank because that's what that's what people do, right? Put a full tank of petrol and then you start driving, okay? Now, a normal person will probably hit a pit stop around Harry Smith or Lady Smith because they need to take a bit of a walk and they need to 
maybe check the car, which is the responsible thing to do. And then maybe they'll fill up their tank one more time and then head to Durban, right? For some people, they obviously, depending on your car, you will just, you know, have a bit of a walk and you know that your full tank will carry from Joburg to Durban, right? Now, that's someone who's just eating because they're eating. Now, what a bodybuilder does is this. We put full tank in, in Joburg. We'll drive and... When the gauge goes off the full tank, we'll find the closest garage and put it back on full tank. We'll drive again. When the gauge gets off the full tank, we'll get into another garage and put petrol. So which means in the trip between Durban, sorry, Joburg to Durban, we would have hit the garage maybe five times because the constant idea is to always keep driving on full tank. So that's what happens when you're trying to bulk, right? You're eating according to time, not according to hunger, because you want to get, as you said, very correctly, because that is the science. You're trying to get more calories in than you're trying to get calories going out. So the whole idea is that you're always full or saturated, right? So you don't want to be in a situation. Basically, I always tell people this. Anyone who comes up to me is like, dude, I'm trying to bark, whatever the case may be. This is my first thing that I tell them. If you're still eating according to hunger, you're doing it wrong. And what is the state of the bodybuilding industry uh, or bodybuilding in South Africa? What does that look like? Look, it's growing. I'll tell you that. It's growing because when I turned pro, I was the first black guy to do it. Um, and I was also the youngest guy to do it. At the time, I was 26, 27. Um, and I think, I stand corrected, but I think I was the 11th pro ever to be in South Africa. Right. In the history of South Africa, right, uh, in my federation, which is very alarming considering the 60 million of us, right? South Africa is a wealth of talent. We have phenomenal, I can't, I can't even begin to tell you how phenomenal the athletes are. You know, it's just that obviously in South Africa, either two things kill the, 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 the guys from continuing. It's either resources, right? And I say resources in terms of, you know, flying out the country, um, competing on international level, uh, so finances mostly, right? Or it's just the patience of keep going on, you know, like the the idea of keep on keeping on, right? A lot of guys get despondence, you know, they'll hit a very good year of competing and they expect the results to happen almost immediately, but it doesn't happen. Then the next year, they're kind of relaxed about it. It's, they're not really, you know, trying to continue doing it. So, you know, it, you find guys that, had good careers, but they were only like two years. You're like, my guy, like, if you just kept on going on just the two more years or, you know, three more years, this could have happened for you. But that's what's killing, I personally think is killing the industry. It's that perseverance or that that thing of, I hit a wall here, but I'm still going to continue. I hit a wall here, but I'm still going to continue. Um, but in terms of the South African landscape, man... We have phenomenal talents here, and both male and female, you know, um, phenomenal, phenomenal talents. So it's a growing industry, um, which is great, you know, so we, we are getting there. The international industry is, is knowing that South African guys are here and we are causing a bit of a noise. Another thing I actually want to ask, because it, it often comes up when it comes to bodybuilding, uh, more yeah. so around men than women, which is taking steroids. What is yeah. the... Just explain the, 
the steroids and bodybuilding, is it something that, you know, the pro athletes take? Is it something that is part of the industry? How does, what, what is that conversation? Look, there's no denying that there's a very symbiotic relationship between the two. And anyone who wants to deny that is trying to be politically correct. Okay. As to who's taking, who's not taking, that's obviously confidential information, right? Um, however, though, there is also not a, there's also a very evident, um, let me say, output on the fact that the more the technology of, you know, the steroid uh, perpetuated, the more you started seeing physique st- start changing on, on, on stage, right? Whereas, you know, back in the day, you'll see a guy who's about 75 kgs going and becoming, you know, being on a Mr. Olympia stage. Now you get guys where we call the freaks, where a guy is 112 kgs, 120 kgs, you know, to 130 kgs sometimes, right? So there's no denying that there's a very symbiotic relationship between the two, okay? Now, what I always gauge people in understanding is simply this. As much as it's, it's evidence, it's there, it happens, and some people are taking it, some people are not taking it, whatever the case may be, whatever your personal choices are. The one thing that we cannot ever dispute is that they probably count if you are taking it because I've done the research on them. Okay, my coach has done the extensive research on it. It's probably 5%. Okay, I'm telling you right now, even if there wasn't such a thing as steroids and they did not exist and it did not happen, I'm telling you right now, the guys that are at the top of the game would still be at the top of the game because that accounts for about 3 or 4% of the bigger picture. It's the dieting, it's the training, it's, it's, you know, it's the other things that are much bigger than someone wanting to reduce a sport to steroids. Because if that was the case, then trust me, with the amount of people that I've bumped into and spoken to that have taken the stuff, you would probably would have met, and I mean this respectfully, without sounding very cocky or arrogant, you probably would have met 50 smooths walking around. But the mere fact that you know one smoo shows you that it's not that that has made the sport or we can reduce a sport to the fact that it's because of this, therefore that, right? It is never that, you know, because it's, it's, it's not just that that has cultivated the sport to being what it is today. Um, on a, on a, on a, on a kind of lighter note, uh, just out of interest, right? Cause you're a bodybuilder, obviously yep. you are like, I don't know, 95% muscle. Uh, <laughs> what is your fat muscle ratio? So at the moment, and I mean, I'm going to say this and a lot of people might kill me for this, but I'm fat at the moment. All right. But my fat and someone else's fat is very different. Right. So I'm currently at about 9% body fat. Um, when I get on stage, I'm about 3.5 to about 4% body fat. Um, that's obviously measured against um, a caliper reading um, because to date, yes, there is machinery that can test your body fat, but they're also not as accurate as the old school caliper readings, right? So we rely a lot on the caliper reading. Um, so the last, the highest one I've ever been was actually 97%. Um, lean muscle mass um, and the lowest I've ever been was you're actually right 95% I did my research <laughs> um, so speaking of 
the mind and the power of the mind. Um, there is there is so much that you've actually said that I think kind of mirrors um, almost every industry to a certain extent. You know, like there was something that you mentioned yeah. earlier where you said, you know, you've got to keep going, whether or not you've been doing it for two years and you kind of are just like, this is not it. Or, you, you know, you kind of want to let go. I do find that that almost kind of relates to almost every industry or one's passion or something that one person is driving towards because you do hit like the starting block where you're like, you're running and you're in it and you're super excited. And you're like, every day I'm going to show up. I'm going to write a chapter of this book. I'm going to, you know, exercise in the gym. I'm going to podcast. And then like one day you're just like, I've been doing this for such a long time. And I keep hitting brick wall after brick wall after brick wall. And I'm kind of just not pushing through or not getting uh, kind of, you know, where I want to go to. Um, have you ever had a moment like that in your career? And if you have, like, how did you overcome and how did you push through that? Absolutely. Yo, I can't, I can't tell you how many times I've sat back in my career and I was like, you know what, I'm done. I'm good. Um, this is, this is not it, you know? And the, the thing is about bodybuilding and Kai Green is a very huge advocate of this, right? What you see on my physicality is a manifestation of what I've been living in my head. So by the time you see my physique, it's what my brain has been thinking about for the longest time. Bodybuilding is a mental sports first before it becomes physical. You know, because my my strength and conditioning coach even says this. It, it's actually written on his wall at the gym. He says that strength is a is a, is a character before it's a physical trait, right? So it's, 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 there are moments where you sit back and you go, you know what, this is, this is getting a lot. I can't keep going on. It's, and, and it's that moment where you have to sit back and reconcile yourself into understanding why you did, why you did, right? Why you, why you got up every other day and decided to do this, right? Because, <laughs> The love for something is not going to sustain you, right? It takes more than just loving something to want to go back to it, right? And this could be true and said for almost anything, any profession, even relationships, right? It's, you get to a point where you're like, me loving this thing is not enough. But it's about reconciling yourself with the ideology of why did I even start this in the first place? And going back to the initial basis of I started this because and then you go back and you realize that you need to keep going because of that because right and more so than anything else what I've realized especially in my sports I don't know about the other you know sporting codes or other careers you got to find a, a reason to do this that's bigger than you because once you realize that it's bigger than you it's easier to also realize that it's not easy to just give up and just walk away, right? Because not because you're doing it for the next person or you're doing it for that particular reason, but now you realize that you're more, you, you're more accountable to more than just yourself, right? And for me, it's, it's, it's been small snippets in my, in my journey that has made me realize that if I can inspire one person to not just do bodybuilding per se, but to just change their life, for me, that's reason enough for me to sit back and go, 
let me not give up on this because it's now bigger than Sbu getting abs, right? It's now bigger than, you know, I'll tell you a quick story, very quick story. Um, I was competing in East, 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 Eastern Cape in a small city called Umtata. And I'm busy competing and I see this guy backstage. He wasn't a competitor. He was just a random guy just sitting there. And I kept asking the guys, I'm like, guys, is this guy with anyone here? Like, you know, is this chilling there? Not that he was causing any trouble, but it was just a bit weird because backstage is normally, you know, secured for athletes. Anyway, I get on stage, I win my division, I get off stage. And as I get off stage, this very guy stops me. He's like, hey, bro, um, don't mean to be rude or anything, but I just want to say that you really inspire me. So in my head, I'm like, oh, man, I've had I've had this story so many times. And I'm not trying to be cocky, but... You know, you hear it so many times. The guys are like, I'm really inspired. But this particular story touched me because of this reason. The guy goes, um, you don't know who I am and I'm so-and-so. I asked for a day pass today just to come and see you on stage because I knew that you were coming in town and I heard that you were coming in town and I just wanted to see you on stage. So I look at this guy and I'm like, ask for a day pass? What do you mean? So he goes, I've been following your journey for the last six months. And about three months ago, I decided to take myself to rehab just to clean up my life. So I'm like, sorry, what? He's like, yeah, no, I, I've been looking at your life and I really am inspired by what you do. And you've inspired something in me to just want to change my life. And I was addicted on drugs and I took myself to rehab. And I've been there for the last three months. And today I asked for a day pass just to get out so I can see you on stage. I swear I stood there in disbelief and all I could do at that time was just, I took off my medal, I signed my medal, I signed my trophy and I gave it to him and I walked away and I just sobbed backstage because while, while the journey for me is beautiful and what it, it, it's taught me on a mental perspective, I never would have thought, ever would have thought that someone could look at me doing what I do, getting on stage and look at their life and go, I want to change my whole life because I saw you doing what you're doing with yours. So for me, that just, it blew my mind, you know, and till today, I can't get my head around that, that how can someone look at a bodybuilder and think, because when he said this to me, it didn't, it didn't even sound like he was saying, I wanted to get off drugs to be a bodybuilder. It was not even about that. It was not even about him trying to train. It was literally a matter of, I saw you doing what you're doing. I got inspired and I just want to change my life. That's really, really, really powerful. But, but, but again, there are incredible parallels about, I mean, I think sport in general, um, that, you know, kind of parallel a lot of, you know, life in general. So it's kind of like, it's almost like that. But I think because everyone has at some point in their life done sport or been to gym or yeah. tried to do something. And it's almost that like, uh, I just I just think of like every time I'm at the gym and it's always like, oh, just one more rep or like five more minutes or like whatever it is. And it's you, you honestly, you think like, I actually can't do it. Like I can't do, yeah. I can't do five more minutes. I can't do one more rep. And you get to that point where you kind of like actually, actually like kind of like override your mind and you actually do like seven more reps instead of five more reps. And you're like, oh, my gosh, like I've done it. And it's like always if you can do that. I'm sorry, completely, completely get this where this guy's coming from, because it's almost like if you can get your mind into that space, even in a 
even in a work environment where you're like one more report, you know, one more mm. client call, one more pitch, one more proposal, and then I'll hang it up. But it's just like, it's exhausting. It's really, really exhausting. Mm. And it, and it sometimes takes out a, a lot more of you than you, than you think of. But then like the next day you're like, oh, but I did it. But now I know that I can do, you know, I can do seven of, you know, X, whatever it is that I'm trying to do. Um, so I think that's, that's quite fascinating. What do you, what do you tell yourself when you think that you're getting to a place where, where you're like, okay, cool. I can't do one more bench press. So I can't do one more. Um, look, so the irony, the irony, this is, this is probably going to throw you off completely is that my coach and I call this going into a dark place, right? Because we, <laughs> I've some, so, so in this industry, or rather, let me say this, in any industry and in any professional, I can, I can imagine the backlash one might have, right? Sia Kulisi led us to the, the World Cup. We got the World Cup. I can imagine him still getting backlash from people, you know, not liking him or saying certain things they shouldn't be saying, whatever the case may be, right? Um, as with my sport, I have people that really admire me and really like me, and I have people that don't like me, right? So, and I've heard a lot of things about me getting flown around in terms of rumors in the industry. I find it very fascinating. And I think what also frustrates a lot of people in the industry is that as much as, you know, the Kid Prodigy name has blown up, I keep my circle very small and I keep to myself heavy, 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 heavy. So most of the time you're always assuming stuff or you know as much as I want you to know, right? Because it's something my uncle once said, which was very powerful for me. He said, it's none of your business what people think about, but it is your business what you give them to think about. Right. So, 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 so that's, that's where it is. So anyway, cut a long story short. I've then been able to, 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 to summarize and take in all the negative, bad things that have been said about me, the bad energy, and I store it in a very dark place. And we call that the dark place with my coach, because when I'm training and I need to tap into that one more rep, I think about all the negative stuff that I've said, all the critique that have been said about me, you know, the, the, you know, the, 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 the stuff that has been said and left behind my name to either denigrate me or speak ill of me, whatever. And I use that as fuel. And I used to think it's a bad thing up until I started reading up on, you know, very successful people, how they also took that kind of stuff and made it work for them. I'll give you an example, Oprah. Oprah was said that she'll never, you know, become a TV talk host. She was the most successful in our century, right? So she used that and cultivated that as fuel, right? Walt Disney was told that he'll never be a cartoonist. He built Walt Disney, right? Leon Messi was said he's too short to be a soccer player. He's arguably the second, or if not the first, the best soccer player in the world. So it's all about taking that neg negative energy, putting it for me in a very small, dark room. And every time I feel like I want to give up, I tap into those words where someone said, I look horrible or I have a small back or I have small legs or whatever. And I just 
give that two more reps just to satisfy that dark room or to drown out those those voices that said those things so it's it's quite it's quite weird because a lot of people think when i'm training i'm thinking about unicorns and rainbows and you know and how amazing i am or whatever but it's not it's it's about all of that that you know that all negativity you you take that and use it as fuel tell me how would you summarize your 20s how would i summarize my 20s risk if there's one word i'll summarize my 20s is a risk what a lot of people don't know is that when i was in durban and i was making the decision to move to joburg and pursue my bodybuilding career i had 152 rand in my bank account and a full tank of petrol that's all i had and i drove to joburg to never place to stay i was like you know what i'll wing it when i get there i slept in my car for about a month and a half until i figured it out uh at one point i used to diet on bread i'd literally have bread every day because that's all i could afford i stopped being able to afford that i started only dieting on on supplements i literally because i luckily had a supplement sponsor so i'll space out my supplement shakes throughout the day and yeah and then things got better and i started working harder and i worked on my personal training business and you know uh, and and that's that's what i did and then sir yeah. tell me have you experienced the quarter life crisis uh within your 20s journey uh, if you can think back on you know some of the toughest times i guess that you've had um if you have what has your quarter life crisis been and how did you get out of it um i wouldn't say I had a quarter life crisis but one thing that has has happened is is maybe questioning right so you question a lot of things you and 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 it's okay to question but as i said you always also need to reconcile yourself with the understanding of why i started what i started so i questioned i questioned did i did i make the right decision by doing bodybuilding um should i have not just continued had a corporate job or you know whatever the case may be you know you question quite a lot of things in 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 your in your 20s or just you know being an adult and trying to figure out this life thing right um and 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 that can be very crippling to a certain extent right and it can give you unnecessary anxiety and you know especially you know when you look at your peers maybe and you're like oh man if i'd also maybe went that direction maybe that's where i'd be or whatever the case may be but you then as i said you sit back and you I I'm in a position right now where I know for a fact that I wouldn't trade anything in the world to do what I do because I absolutely love training. I love bodybuilding. Saying I'm passionate about bodybuilding makes it sound very blase and cliché. But this is also cliché what I'm going to say, but I feel like I was born to do this, right? As I said, it sounds very you know just left hanging said there but because that's what people say but every time i'm at the gym every time i'm doing what i'm doing it's even spiritual for me it feels like i'm getting closer to god you know so it's much deeper than just going on stage and showing off muscles or for me it's much deeper than just picking up a dumbbell and 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 pushing weights it's 
it's my it's my refuge it's my safe haven it's 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 my comfort it's 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 where i found who i am right and i've never looked back since being a ifb pro is what i do is not who i am you know what i mean and a lot of people i've seen you know they embody they work and it becomes a personality trait strip me of my title and i know exactly who i am you know and what I do and who I am are two different things. I've learned, however, though, I've learned a lot because of what I do. And I've, I've, I've built personalities and characteristics and traits because of what I do. But I'm not what I do. I, I know who I am outside of those things. Sure. Okay. So hands down, my favorite quote of this entire interview is strip me of my title and I'll still know who I am. I think that's really, really powerful because a lot of people, that is the one question that we in our 20s or one in their 20s is consistently asking. It's kind of like, who am I? What is my purpose in the world? Where do I fit in? Um, and we start to identify ourselves by what we do. I mean, even in conversations. Yeah. Um, yes, we're on yeah. the you know other side of, of, or kind of like the latter side of 20s, but... Um, a lot of your early and mid twenties is spent identifying yourself by what you do and not who you are. Mm. So it's, I am a this, yeah. I do this. That's, that's the entrance to the conversation. Um, yeah. and the, and the whole debate is kind of like finding like what is underneath that, even talking about yeah. like things like how things make you feel emotions, like all of that stuff that is actually like essential to you and making you as an individual is a lot of the stuff that we kind of brush over um and i guess as you get to the other side or the latter 20s you're kind of just like oh, my career just pays my bills it just does the thing it's not it's not a defining yeah, yeah. mind moments 101 all right so final question is what advice do you have for people in their 20s um yeah what advice would you have for people in their 20s based on your journey and your life and what you've seen and what you've done and who you are and even the confidence that you have within yourself. Uh, what, are, what advice would you have for people in their 20s? Take the risk. Take, take the leap of faith. That, that one thing that you are scared of doing because you feel like you might be making a mistake, do just that. 20s are also a very beautiful time to, do make, to make mistakes because you can still rebuild, you can still get better, you know? It's a beautiful place in, in, in taking that risk because you never know. You know, most of the guys I've hang around with have all, most of them, they've become successful in their respective careers out of just taking a risk. They, they took a risk. In fact, one of my clients is a very phenomenal designer. When I asked him, like, dude, what got you into designing? He's like, no, dude, I just, I took a risk. I'm like, what do you mean? I'm like, dude, did you study this? Whatever. He's like, nope. Like, I genuinely woke up one morning and I was like, I, I foresee myself wearing this and I can see my friends wearing the same thing. So he took a risk. And he's arguably, or maybe not even arguably, one of the best designers this country has, right? And all because he just woke up one morning and was like, yeah, I'm going to do it. He literally even told me the story. He's like, dude, he sat down his parents and was like, listen, I don't know what I'm about to do, you know, in terms of, you know, how this is going to plan out. I know that I want to do designing and, you know, designing clothes. And I just hope it's going to work out for the best and let's go. And that's what he did. Take the risk. Take the risk and 
do exactly that thing that sets your soul on fire that makes you feel like you can't sleep at night and you that you feel like you, you want to do it but you're scared of who's going to say this or how it's going to look like to the next person do it you know i always tell people i don't suffer from what will people say syndrome i don't suffer from that you know because <laughs> one thing my mentor says so one of my mentors is Vusit one thing he always says is that he, call, he calls me boy you know because he always says i'm his uh, little brother He'll, he'll, he'll say, boy, listen to me, boy. Um, you know this life thing that we live? It's not a dress rehearsal. This is it. This is it. So take the risk, you know. You know, pushing it back. I'm going to do it that time. I'm going to do it that time. This is it. This is the whole life that we have. It's not a dress rehearsal. No one is going to go on the other side and go, and cut. Let's take it from the top. This is it. Many thanks to our guest for an amazing discussion today. And thank you all so much for tuning into the In My Twenties podcast. Please don't forget to like, share and subscribe. And while you're here, leave us a comment and let us know what you thought about today's discussion. The In My Twenties podcast is a production of Teensway Media. For more information, visit www.teenswaymedia.com.